0: I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Matt Pritchard. Matt is the VP of Digital Acceleration at Campbell Soup Company, where his role is to lead the implementation of the digital marketing strategy that's focused on driving acceleration to enable Campbell Soup to become a modern marketing organization. Prior to joining Campbell Soup, Matt led the digital marketing team at GSK Consumer Healthcare. He's also previously held digital roles at Kellogg, Tesco, Wanadu, and Prudential. In this episode, Matt and I talk a lot about what it means to actually be a modern marketer today, why you need to really put the customer at the heart of your brand, and how voice skills might turn into the wasteland that we've all previously seen with mobile apps. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Matt. You have a really impressive background in some of you know the world's biggest brands. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you got started in digital marketing?
1: When when you uh, do that introduction, it t- takes me back 19 years in in about 30 seconds. I first started when I was at Tesco, which is a UK retail company, and we just launched Tesco dot com. Uh, and I was working for the financial services arm of the business, Tesco Personal Finance, and uh, my role was an internet marketing manager. And I got that role off the back of some work we'd done with our stores around launching email and an intranet. Uh, and I just got hooked by the uh, the internet at that point. Uh, the word digital didn't exist because it was purely uh, online at that point. And my first role uh, with Tesco Personal Finance was to take a website which purely allows you to print a PDF and then apply offline uh, to a transactional website. So we built Online applications for credit cards for loans for pet insurance, etc
0: so talk to me a little bit about the past you know you said nineteen years. How have you seen marketing change and what has really been the biggest thing driving that change?
1: I think to be honest with you, Stephanie, I don't think marketing at its core has changed. It's about trying to find, you know, the consumer insight, how best to take that insight and then create engaging ways to uh, to talk to your potential consumers or your existing consumers. But what has changed is the channels and the way that uh, brands can interact with consumers. And that's the most exciting part of it. Uh, If you think going back, you know, a 100 years, everything was billboards, uh, posters, uh, newspaper articles, magazines. And then you had the advent of radio and then television uh, and then cable television, and satellite television. If you think about what we've got now, there's just so many ways to engage with consumers. And it's really exciting. But with that excitement becomes the biggest challenge because, you know, being a marketeer in 2019, I would argue is harder than it was in 2010, uh, 2000 or even 1980, 70 and going back and beyond. Just because there's more channels doesn't make it easier. It makes the, the opportunities endless.
0: I completely agree. I do feel like thinking back to my career, I've been doing this for 15 years and I probably didn't think this at the time, but now I'm like, I had it so easy 15 years ago compared to what the world looks like today and all of the challenges that you have in terms of trying to message directly to your consumers when they're more distracted than ever and all of the different channels that keep, seem to keep popping up almost every day.
1: Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, being, uh, being a modern marketer, uh, again, whilst it is, it is a challenge, just think about the skill set a marketer needs to have now compared to, again, five years ago and 10 years ago. The pace is just massive. Uh, but I have a core belief that uh, you know, my job is to help the organization become a modern marketing machine. And I help create a uh, a pool of modern marketeers that are as adept at uh, data management and data strategy as they are for consumer insight and understanding as well as leveraging the technology tools that exist. I think that uh, I know a modern marketeer needs to really be a a conductor of an orchestra and use the subject matter experts around them uh, as as his instruments. So he doesn't need to know the the in-depth working of SEO, for example, but what he needs to understand or she needs to understand is how SEO can help their overall engagement with the consumer or how it can help offset uh, other costs so they can reinvest the money into other channels
0: as you know really the VP of digital acceleration and I love that that's your title and that's really what you're charged with can you talk to me a little bit about how you think about acceleration at Campbell soup and what that means for you and your team
1: I've been saying this since probably 2002 is you know I'll be successful when the word digital doesn't get called out separate but I think as I look back and, and reflect I think we use the word digital to provoke a change. So you over overemphasize the change needed to, to gain traction. For me, uh, I think the the biggest change we've got to deliver is to, is to set out a direction and, and clarity of where we're going and use the acceleration model as a way to test and learn new things. Because, you know, over those last 20 years I've been doing this, the one thing that's also consistent is budgets aren't going up uh Yet the channels to communicate are. So we've got to be really smart. And the way I think about acceleration is what are we trying to achieve with the consumer journey? And then from there, how can I then when? how can I identify the moments of the matter and use my dollars and attention and resources to interject where it really makes a difference? Because most brands can't afford to activate across the entire journey. Therefore, you've got to be really selective. So, again, if I take the word digital out. It's about understanding the consumer better than anyone else. And it's about understanding the ways I could engage her or him in the moments of the matter using the tools and technology that exist. And sometimes that may mean no digital and other times it may mean all digital, but it's gotta be relevant to what we're trying to achieve to deliver the desired outcome. uh And then, you know, understand where it fits on the consumer journey.
0: So what do you think about, you know, you joined what about a little, almost two years ago at Campbell Soup. And really, what you're doing, right, is accelerating innovation. How do you balance integrating innovation with such a historic brand like Campbell's that people have known for such a long time?
1: Yeah, <laughs> a good question. Actually, that's the thing that really excites me about this role. The fact of the matter is, if you if you take Campbell's, it's a pioneer of innovation uh, over the last 150 years. This is our 150th year. So my role really is to help the brands sure we maintain that innovation and relevance in today's age. Uh, So it's no different than what we've been doing for the 150 years we've been around. What's different is uh, the channels that we're innovating against. So for me, it's really exciting to be able to blend the heritage, value and history of a of a brand like Campbell's, which includes Pepperidge Farm and and Snyder's Hanover and Pacific Foods, and bring them uh, in today's modern age to view them as their consumers as hyper relevant and an innovator in today's age as much as it was 150 years ago. And I think we've seen that with some of these newer brands we've got, which gives us a new opportunity to leverage new ways to connect, particularly with millennial audiences.
0: So let's talk mobile for a second. How have you seen mobile change in your career?
1: Oh, my goodness. I've lost track of the number of years that I I looked at the beginning of the year, and I've seen articles saying, this is the year of mobile. The time when you had a a flip phone with a green screen and Snake was the only game you could play. Whilst great, I'm not sure a, a WAP-enabled phone experience was really what was uh, going gonna to leverage the, or win with the audience. Now, obviously, I think the biggest shift was the advent of the iPhone uh, back in 2007. I think from there, it's just uh, accelerated beyond belief. And, and again, mobile now for us isn't just the physical phone. Uh, we think of all devices. So it could be a Google Home now or an Alexa show. It could be a phone. It could be a tablet. Uh, any of those things, the biggest thing for me is they're not fixed to one location. Therefore, it gives you a massive opportunity to engage. But I would say single-handedly, the biggest development was the, the launch of the iPhone, which then sparked the smartphone revolution, tied with the access to data. Because at the very beginning, when data plans were very expensive, uh, we saw this with the computer with broadband. Uh, As soon as you got to a a palatable uh, price point in the market, that became the biggest catalyst to change. So access to data through speed and cost together with the device, I think, were the two things that changed everything.
0: So thinking about that and thinking about how mobile and consumer behavior on mobile is constantly shifting how do you think about integrating mobile into the digital experience, just the overall brand experience at Campbell?
1: Once you understand what your, your business objective and your marketing objective is, and what outcomes you wanna get, you then map out your journey uh, and where you're gonna focus. And then mobile or at any digital channel or at any channel within the marketing mix, that becomes the route there. So I don't have and I don't preach or teach the teams to come up with a mobile strategy. I, I actually tell them about we, we plan and we and we look at consumer journey. And then from there, if mobile is a key part, and sometimes it's not even mobile, let's say it could be something like actually in-store is really key at this point, then we can think about what technology allows us to get to that person in-store. So we know, for example, you're not going to get uh, somebody watching a TV in a store, but potentially you could have someone at Shelf Edge With a mobile phone in their hand, what do we want to do at that point? So, again, it's much more about the desired outcome than the technology. The technology purely becomes an enabler and a different way to create that engagement and excitement and brand love and relevancy.
0: I love hearing you say that because I think sometimes when you think about a lot of organizations, especially larger ones, you start to have these really siloed teams. Like to your point, like there's a there's a mobile team, there's a social team, and they think about everything like what's my mobile strategy versus taking a step back and saying like how should I engage with consumers and what's the right channel to engage with them in that exact moment. So I love hearing you say that.
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I said about being a modern marketer. Look, I believe there should be subject matter experts, but then that becomes a uh, a resource the brand marketer can use. And like I say, I'll go back to the analogy of, of the conductor and the orchestra. A really good brand manager in, in in today's modern world will have that understanding and knowledge and be able to then leverage the people around them to deliver the work. And some of that may be internal, some of it may be external, some of it may be done by them, some of it may be done by experts. But the, the idea of having a digital team set off in the corner to me on its own is it, it, not going to create things. Cause what happens is you end up with a brand team that think, Hey, my job is to create TV, TVCs. And then it's everyone else's job to do everything, uh, in terms of all the other channels. And that's crazy. If you're, if you are truly passionate about putting the consumer at the heart of your, your brand.
0: So thinking about measurement for success or whether or not something's working, how do you think about whether or not something's working, especially when you're doing things that you, maybe haven't ever been done before at your company.
1: Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. So I think there's two ways we do that. So again, if, we, if we're if we confident of what we're doing or we've done it before, uh, then we, we try to instill a common set of consistent measures. And, and we use a term called metrics that matter. So again, we ladder up our business and marketing objective and of what our desired outcome is. And for every objective, there has to be a desired outcome. And for every desired outcome there has to be a way of measuring it so for example if a brand team wants to talk about increasing brand relevance then with them we work with how are we going to measure brand relevance because if you can't measure it then there's no problem in the work so the consistency around objective desired outcome then having a series of kpis that measure measure to that desired outcome is the first step and then what we do have is within my team, a small uh, focus team where we we partner with brand teams in areas we've not done before. So this is really the acceleration team. And the objective there is we do what we call hypothesis based learning. So we set out a there's a big opportunity. We set out what the hypothesis is. And from there, we then align behind what the measures are to prove that hypothesis or disprove it. And if it, if it gets proved, we have scale plans ready to go so it can move out of acceleration into business as usual. And if it doesn't work, we have very quick stop and exit plans uh, and communication plans so that we don't repeat the same mistakes multiple times. And we aren't wedded to an approach, which means we're scared to walk away from it.
0: So talk to me a little about your stop and exit plans. How do you balance running something long enough to know if it works when you've never done it before, versus knowing when to kind of pull the plug and say, like, this is definitely not going to work for a brand.
1: Yeah. So again, I think it comes down to each scenario, and that's why we we do a lot of time in terms of that hypothesis and learning on uh, an influencing and alignment on what the KPIs are. So uh, you know, two good examples on our on our recipe site, Campbell Kitchen, we wanted to put in uh, some machine learning. Uh, AI capability about increasing content in engagement and interaction with our users because we knew through data the more people interacted with recipes uh, that that led to more sales of our product. So we used a company called Onespot and we we started to look at people's browsing behavior and then started just re- returning more relevant recipes to them so they engage in more recipes. So for that, it was very clear do we did we see a uh, impact in the number of pages viewed? Or the number of recipes interacted with as we saw that within the first month we knew we were on to a winner likewise we one of the stock plans we had was around personalization of messages on one of our brand sites and we were simply looking at it did, did more did our bounce rate go down and did our interaction rate go up and it didn't so within within a week we could see we were having a little impact and we stopped it and then of course what you've got to do is, and again, I take this from my days in the financial services and insurance world, is you look at very simple conversion funnels. So if you're trying to get people to register for a newsletter or sign up to a, you know, a recipe profile, you look at all of those drop-off points and you, uh, you tweak your process accordingly. But, you know, just think about that. Who'd have thought 10 years ago or 15 years ago, a brand marketeer potentially could be looking at a Google Analytics report through a funnel conversion On registration, it's like words that would have meant nothing fifteen years ago.
0: I love hearing that. I think it's such a different way to look at it, and but it makes complete sense for what we think about the market today. So you've obviously brought a lot of innovation and change to the organization. How do you handle really trying to change how you know how you think about testing, how you think about implementing new ideas? Have you run into any challenges internally around getting people on board with this idea?
1: Yeah, look, I think, uh, sorry, I say to my team and to people who embrace the world we're in from a modern marketing perspective, I think you need three skills, uh, that underpin all of your approach. That's curiosity, passion and resilience because it's not easy. We're trying to change, uh, not just a marketing organization, the, the, the organizations that go around marketing. So finance, so HR, so supply chain. So, you know, it, it's a, it, it's a really tiring job at points. Because you're trying to change a legacy of what's gone before, but I think if you've got passion and curiosity, you know that gets you some of the way. And I think one of the biggest things, you know, again, if I think about my team at its highest level, I split it into two things. One is about providing subject matter experts where you don't need to duplicate those resources because you can apply them better off uh, centrally. And then two, to build the skills and capabilities of our marketers in the organisation. And I do that through four pillars, uh, the four P's of capability of digital, I call it. One, they are people, people capability, process capability, partner capability, and platform capability. So it's not just about getting the best platforms, because if you haven't got the right people skills, no one's going to use the platforms. Likewise, there's no point having everyone bought in as modern marketeers and then not having the right partners or the right platforms to go after it. So I think the hardest people like me, is to balance out not what you can do, but what you should do in in a in a strategic way, and paint that roadmap so that everyone understands what they're working towards. But at the heart of it is understanding the consumer better than anyone else, and then engaging with that consumer in the best way.
0: How do you think about the technologies that are so new that they're they're not part of your plan yet because you didn't even know they were coming? How do you think about like sometimes I like to call them shiny objects or the things that. They're not reliable now because no one's ever tried them. But how do you think about testing some of those random things?
1: Yeah, so it's a great question. And I think, again, the best thing you do is not get every brand off looking at the shiny new tools, uh, toys, sorry, that are out there. This is where that fits in with my group. So I have a digital strategist and an acceleration lead. And their role is to keep ahead of the market. So this central group uh, should be 18 months ahead of the rest of the brand team's. And we come back with, you know, choices and understanding of what's working through our industry knowledge and being ahead of the curve. And then we identify and partner with the brand teams to minimize the risk. And then we make some, we make some, you know, big bets in a couple of areas, knowing that they're not all going to work. And then we'll walk away from them, going back to what I said about, you know, uh, a hypothesis based learning agenda. So whether that hypothesis based learning agenda is a new tool, a new channel, a new piece of technology, Uh, a new consumer channel advert. Whatever those things are, that fits within this group. But it's important that we don't chase all the shiny objects because all that happens is you swing the pendulum too far to the right and then everyone won't will understand what's working or not. It will be seen as non-effective and then the pendulum goes back not to the middle but further back behind. How do you think
0: about incorporating voice for the brand? Are you guys doing anything today?
1: Yeah, so we, we've done some, we've done some things, uh, uh, we launched, we we're one of the first brands to launch a Alexa skill for our recipes. And then we even update some of that to, to, to have videos through some recipes for Alexa show. But it's quite funny. Uh, one of the things I'm critical of our, our industry on is that we don't learn sometimes from the past. So it, voice at the moment reminds me of going back to 2010. 2009 and 10 with the apps of the app with the smartphone and apps, and everyone got onto the bandwagon of we must have an app, we must have an app, we must have an app uh, without thinking about why do we need an app and where does it fit within the consumer journey? And I know I repeat journey a lot of times, but it's absolutely essential because it gives you the rigor to say this is where we're going to play. So my worry is we're doing exactly the same with voice. So we create skills and then we expect people to go to those skills. It's funny, we as human beings have been talking for Thousands of years, and yet we're trying to teach people now to say things like, Alexa, open the Campbell kitchen skill. It's not natural language. So, for me, where we're doing is we Welcome we are. To oh, kitchen. Celebrating.
0: Alexa.
1: Sorry about that, Stephanie. I always forget.
0: I, I love that. You just you just were telling me about how you use Alexa, and then Alexa comes on. I love that. Brand.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it? So, I won't say her name again. So, but where, where we're seeing is that like with apps there's so many skills out there that how do you make sure that your app your skill is discoverable so for me the areas we're focusing now really on are are three fold for voice one voice search i think this is going to be as critical as seo and paid search was with google in in 99 2000 i think we're going to see a massive shift there so understanding how to win on the search part is key and the second one is around voice commerce so understand uh where people are engaging and in using that to purchase obviously that's a, for a cpg company that's really important but third and i think the biggest opportunity for a cpg is around uh the digital shelf and the shopping list and the consideration list i think figuring out how to get on that virtual shopping list uh is going to be a key requirement of success going forward and working with people at google and and, and amazon or Apple with Siri to to partner as those new opportunities come up It's still very, very early days. The one thing that's for sure, we've got to do that in a device or platform agnostic way. Uh, and we've got to be wherever people are. So yes, we can see that the emergence of a couple of platforms, but we've got to make sure that if we're going after a certain audience, that we've got the right technology to, to engage with them.
0: One of the things that you said that to me just really hit home was the idea of, you know, thinking back to 2010, where every marketer created an app. Why? Because we needed an app in the app store. And <laughs> and how the same thing might happen with voice. And I think you're right. You got to think about what people are going to use it for. And I I think the whole idea around being strategic about how to win search on voice. That's one of the things I think even with mobile apps today, people think a ton about is how you win search in the app store. Even we've been doing that for a decade now. And I know you mentioned personalization, which is one of my personal favorite topics. Can you tell me what personalization means to you? Because I think sometimes when people say personalization, I talk to other marketers. They're like, yeah, like I, I put your first name in there and some of your preferences. So which I think is like base level personalization. So tell me how you think about personalization, what that really looks like.
1: Yeah. So I think this is one of the examples where we should have a, an approach that goes across our business, but each brand is going to be slightly different. So again, if I know you're coming to look at my recipes on my website, and I know who you are, and I know that you are a a vegan, I should not display anything other than vegan recipes to you. And if I don't know who you are, then I then start to look at your uh, online behavior through our site metrics, and then start to infer what I know. But it's a really tough one. And I don't think there's one answer. What I would say, though, from a CPG perspective, I kind of... I guess the way I can buck it up is to me, personalization is, you know, a customized message or experience delivered to a consumer or a group of consumers. If you don't know the individual based upon the information, data and insights we have about them or their behavior. So if I rather we know enough about you to tailor a relevant message to you through the right channel at the right time.
0: So one final question. I know you've talked a lot about the idea of a modern marketer. So for everyone that's kind of earlier in their career, what, where would you recommend they focus their time and really gain their... What skills should they gain?
1: I think any any marketer, by the way, and I, and I treat myself in that, can always learn. So the first thing is to be... I go back to what I said at the beginning, curiosity, passionate, and resilient. Be okay. curious. And from there, be curious about trying to understand your consumer better than anyone else. I think that every marketeer, whatever level they are, has to keep up with what's going on around them in the digital space. So maybe, you know, basic uh, digital skills. So one of the things we've done here is we partnered with a company called Circus Street for a, a program of digitally learning. Uh, and from there, we're building our base skills and foundation and common understanding across the business. And then from there, you then start to deep dive into things that matter. But you've got to be willing to learn and you never stop learning and if you think you know your marketing career reaches its pinnacle as you as you launch your first broad based mass media campaign then i think you're much mistaken and i think you should be getting much more excited about that journey planning based around an understanding of the consumer and getting as close as you can to the individual consumer
0: Having a senior marketing leader from such a historic brand has really been a dream for me. Everyone seems to know Campbell Soup. I know I did it as a child and as an adult, and it's so inspiring to hear how they're thinking about accelerating innovation and in their organization to truly empower brand marketers. It's a model that I think most organizations can learn from if you really want to transform how marketing works in your business. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Matt that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, metrics have always been a key component of the most high performing marketing organizations. That's not news to any of you. I know that. We all know we got to measure our efforts and we likely all have a list of numerous KPIs that we're tracking on a regular basis. But what I'd like to ask you is, have you taken a step back to see if you're actually falling victim to what I like to call analysis paralysis, which means I track so much data that I literally no longer know what metrics really matter at the end of the day. I've honestly seen that happen with a lot of marketers. We're tracking so many data points that we actually don't know what metrics we should care about. What are the two or three or four or five that actually tell me how my business is doing? And the reason why that is, is because it's impossible to put the same level of importance on each one. And that's why we've got to focus our efforts on the metrics that truly matter. Now, don't get me wrong. You can continue to track all of them. That's not a problem, but you need to know which ones carry more weight. And that means when you're embarking on a new initiative, you have to identify what that overall objective is going to be. What's the desired outcome? And what is the way that you're going to measure that outcome? And I know at first that probably seems super obvious and simplistic all of you. And you're probably thinking, why is Stephanie even talking about that? Well, the reason is because how many of us are actually doing it? When before you start a new initiative, are you sitting down and actually writing out what the objective is, what the desired outcome is, and how are you going to measure that desired outcome? Probably not. And part of that's because we're so focused on launching this next project and we're so confident that it's going to be successful because something else was successful in the past that we're not putting forth the effort to list out those three items. Now, don't get me wrong. It's probably not the best part of doing a new project or initiative. I get it. But it's going to help us quickly determine whether or not that initiative is performing as we expect it to. Next, I am seriously, and I mean seriously worried, you guys, that voice is going to become the digital wasteland like we've seen with native mobile apps. Let's think about it for a second. Steve Jobs launched the App Store in 2008. There were over 550 native mobile apps. That was a lot then. Today, there's over 2 million in the App Store and over 3.8 million in Google Play. Why? Because every marketer in the world thought they needed to build a native mobile app. And I was one of them, don't get me wrong. And I'm responsible for a number of them that exist in the app store today. So besides the fact that they're expensive to build and maintain, consumers don't even actually want to download them, but we all built them. And so we've all spent money creating native mobile apps that honestly aren't even being used. And I worry the same thing's about to happen with voice. Think of how many brands today have already created Alexa skills. Is it possible that every single brand that has an Alexa skill actually needs an Alexa skill that a consumer will actually use it? Probably not. But they created one. Why? Because they thought, I need to get into voice. I need to have a voice strategy. Or their boss told them, what are we doing on voice? We need to be doing something on voice. And it really becomes like native mobile apps all over again. We create things that consumers may or may not want to use. And that's why it's so important to put the consumer at the heart of what you're doing. Making sure that you're creating things that are actually going to be used rather than investing in technology for the sake of just saying that you have one. Finally, I personally love what Matt said about how today 's modern marketer needs to have curiosity, passion, and resilience it 's a hundred percent true and it 's something I try and instill on in my team and really anyone else I talk to. Marketing is hard today it 's harder than it 's ever been, and what works one minute may not work the next and sometimes you're't going to know why, and it 's super frustrating. We have more channels to choose from now than we've ever had before. And so sometimes the decision you make about where not to invest is actually more important than where you make the decision to invest. And things are changing fast. That's how fast we have to move in this organization today. And so successful marketers know that they have to be constantly on their toes. And I find that if you're not passionate about what you're working on, you also don't give it 110% and oftentimes procrastinate about getting it done. It's only human nature. I get it. But that's why it's so important as a marketer that you have a personality that's curious and resilient and that you really try and find an opportunity where you can work for a company and on initiatives that you're truly passionate about. That's where you start to see true marketing magic happen. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. How much time are you spending learning? Okay, great news. You're all listening to this podcast, so that was about 30 minutes of learning time for the week already, so that's a gold star. But how else are you actually challenging yourself to learn something new? If you're not being intentional about learning, and I struggle with this sometimes myself, it's really time to commit. That means you need to commit a dedicated amount of time to reading a book, attending a conference a week, reading online material, engaging in message boards or networking sessions where you can actually learn from other people. It really doesn't matter how you learn. As long as you are learning, you're pushing the boundaries of what you already know. That's how you get to be a better marketer. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit limovate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.